Hey guys, welcome back to Punching Sideways. Josh here. Today's special guest is restaurateur, gourmet chef, and all-around legend, David Capay. Okay guys, I won't keep you too much at the start because this is going to be a really good one. I can just feel it. This is David Capay, founder of Miss Emily and also Miss Emily Gourmet. Let's do this thing. Welcome, David Capay, not S. Capay, like Madonna's Madonna. song that he said before. <laughs> Most people would know you from Miss Emily yes. if they know you, if they're lucky or fortunate enough to have walked through those big doors mm-hmm. in Wodonga. Speaking of Wodonga, though, I go to the same gym as you on the regular, yep. and you pretty much always have a Wodonga Bulldogs jumper on. Yep. Can you tell me about the fascination of that, first yeah. of all? Where does that come into play? Because it has nothing to do with food. Yeah, I guess I kind of grew up at, at Wodonga Footy Club. I'm uh, fairly passionate about football and sport in general, but football definitely. And, and I spent the majority of my teen years and younger years growing up at the Wodonga Footy Club, and, it, and it's uh, played a big part in me maturing and becoming and the man that I am today and... Obviously, I, I left Aubrey Wodonga for 14 years and, and returning home. Uh, and now I have a little bit of power and authority to give back to the club, and it's a good feeling. And uh, I'm a sponsor, and and I even pulled on the boots last year. Look so, out. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's a real sense of reconnection for me and, and a sense of, of pride. And I always, I always had so much pride as a kid running the streets in my Wodonga Bulldogs gear, knowing that I played for the Wodonga Bulldogs. And that was, that used to drive me so much. And now I guess I'm just trying to be a kid again uh, somehow. <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah, total nostalgia for me. And to get back to the club and I sacrificed, moving away from Aubrey Wodonga to follow chefing dreams, I sacrificed sport. Sport was one thing that I had to give up. And it's not a, a regret of mine, but it's definitely something that I do it's definitely something in my life that I missed I feel I missed continuing to grow up in the footy club culture and raising my kids in that so I kind of trying to recapture a little bit of that if possible and at the ripe age of 38 nearly 39. So what level did you play at when you came back last year? Uh, Reserves. Oh reserves. Yeah only only played. So you we're talking about in the O&M here. Yeah, the O&M. So you've yeah. underplayed your ability, obviously, because even reserves O&M is decent quality. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit foolish. My mates think I'm I'm a complete idiot. All these young fellas trying to clean you up and trying to, they're all busting their knackers to play seniors and I'm just trying to get a kick. But um, yeah, I, I played eight games and I, I actually, while we're on the topic, had a, had a good conversation with the coach last night about what I need to do to try and crack a senior game next year, so I think I'm going to go around, <laughs> go around again. I don't know. I'm just stupid. Was the number one thing lay off the cakes or? Yeah. No, I'm actually um, the complete opposite. So, yeah, just set myself a few goals and I'm turn 39 in December. I just, I just think it's just one thing that I can't let go and see whether I can take my body back into the senior the senior level of O&M. I don't know. It might be a bit... Did, f- before chefing, did you see yourself as going down that professional athlete uh, route or is this just a I was, n- yeah. I was never I was never good enough for football to be my sole income. Yeah. Um I you know, I never played Bush Rangers or was never involved in that kind of junior level leading up to AFL, like the chance of being drafted. I was um I was only ever a Wodonga Bulldog, but geez, everything I Everything in general in my life, I put my 150% into and, you know, I train three nights a week, gym two nights a week. I just, I live there and yeah, I, it broke my heart when I had to make a decision about, you know, I spent my whole apprenticeship fighting with my boss about trying to get Saturday off to play and <laughs> I'd rock up into the cafe on Sunday to cook bacon and eggs hung over every Sunday morning because I was on the piss at the footy club till three in the morning, so... <laughs> That was Cafe Grove you started. Cafe Grove, yeah. yeah. So you know the the circle of life, like the story, doesn't. It's incredible how you end up back where. Um, you met your wife 
at Wodonga Bulldogs as well, didn't you? Yeah, geez, you know a lot for <laughs> for, for, for what we um considering I hardly know you, Mel. Yeah, <laughs> I think Mel might have sold it as oh, we don't really know each other. We'll just get to know each other. Yeah, no, it's, and now she's busting out the research. No, 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 no it's good. <laughs> I, I like this. Yeah, so my wife played netball for uh, Wodonga while I was at Wodonga. Yeah, she was a, a fair few years younger than me and probably uh, could have spent a bit of time in jail if I had a pursued. <laughs> If I had to pursue that back then, I think uh, I was 20 and she was 16 or, yep. yeah, we had a bit of a snog, but then she had to go back to go home because she had school in, in the morning. So <laughs> it was probably best that I let that one go. And yeah, years later, I was in London and pretty cool story. I came into work, into the restaurant from my day off and there was a, a note there from, from a, a woman who'd been in the day before and it was from actually from Sally. She was on, on holiday traveling through England and found me at, well, obviously had been following the journey and popped in to see me, but I wasn't there. So she left a note and we uh, caught up for coffee and that was it. And then two years later, she moved over and into, uh, moved over to London and we spent the last year there and the rest is history. Oh, wow. Quite romantic, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, a good story. So can I ask, where were you? Where were you working in London, and was, mm. and how did? Well, you're saying that she was following the story. I mean, I don't know what the timeline is, but how did she even know where that you were working? Yeah, it's a pretty, um, it's a pretty good story. Like it's a, it's a massive fate story, and it's something that will, it's, it's something that ha- this kind of s- circumstance has the power to s- shift the way you, you look at life, and some things that you, sometimes you can't believe actually happen. Uh, I was on the flight. From Australia over to over to England, I think it was early January. Our flight had been postponed for three days because the engine broke down in the plane. So my mum was shitting herself, and um, <laughs> I'd bought a one way ticket on some dodgy airline that doesn't exist. I think it cost me six hundred bucks. So mum was packing her dax the whole time, and I actually met the restaurant manager for Jamie Oliver's restaurant on the flight on the way over. So the first phone call home to mum and dad was, "Holy shit! I've just met this woman." <laughs> And I've got a job interview tomorrow at Jamie Oliver's restaurant. So, was this a chef recognised chef situation? No, she was, How did that even come up yeah, in conversation? Again, she was sitting behind me, uh, directly behind me in the, on the plane, and I, she just overheard me talking to my friend about first movements, first steps. What are we doing? What are you doing for? What are we? You know, what are we going to do tomorrow? Are you even going to chef? I didn't take any knives or uniform. I was just, yeah. I'd had a pretty ugly break break up relationship. You know, house involved, dogs, all that kind of crap. So you're running. Uh, I was getting away for yeah. it. I needed a, I needed a mental, I needed a mental break at at 21 years old. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just getting away and had some mates in London, and she was standing in in the terminal at Heathrow and waiting to go through, get our passports checked, and she just tapped me on the shoulder and she goes, "Oh, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I overheard your conversation." And my name's Ange, and I, you know. She's my guardian angel now. We keep in contact. She's just, she changed my life, basically. She really did. And um, I'm the restaurant manager at uh, Jamie Oliver's 15. I heard you're a chef. You, would you be interested in coming in and, and talking to the, the head chef? So, <laughs> Just sorry to cut you off, mate, yeah. but in that moment, that'd be like someone saying, yeah, I'm the... I'm the manager of ACDC. Yeah, of course. Or I, my dad manages the Rolling Stones. Like this yeah. is one of the biggest, most recognisable chefs of all time. Absolutely. Did you believe her in that moment to begin with? Uh, I did. So, so she I had just, a genuineness, obviously. She ge- yeah, yeah, she was. She was an Australian herself. She was home for Christmas. She was from Sydney. She was, you know, the flights were delayed, and she actually wasn't meant to be on on the flight that we went over together. She was meant to be on another one, and the flights kind of merged and. Yeah, it's just incredible, and and you know from that, from that moment, it. I mean, I was a, I was an okay chef. I was, I think, I was a head chef of Patty's, slinging out Guinness pies and schnitzels for <laughs> when I was twenty, twenty one. Uh, I was, a, I was a good cook, but uh, that changed my life and and set me up. If you like us, like I like us. Get onto punchingsideways.com, give us a bit of a likesy, have a bit of an exploration around and maybe buy us a coffee. So what was it like 
walking into, so you've gone from nothing against patties or mm. beer deluxe or whatever they are now yeah, no. or Wodonga, going in from that setup to mm. like a 15 yeah. setup. Just Petrifying, yeah, absolutely. Just the whole setup, like you can imagine back then there was nothing in Aubrey Wodonga. There literally wasn't. And then I've gone to this place. Obviously, I went in for an interview coming for a trial, you had to do two free trials, like two full days, like two 16-hour days free yeah. to even get a sniff. Got the job somehow. Was it because you're an Aussie? Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Maybe I fumbled my way through two days. Uh, they were passing me vegetables I'd never seen before. They were, <laughs> I thought these things came out of cans, artichokes. Yeah. I'm like, holy shit, what do I do with this thing? Like, you know, then you, your first day, you get led around to the staff rooms, fully laundered uniforms, aprons, trousers, chef's jackets. Uh, I was like, this is just next level staff room, cereal, TVs, PlayStation. Like it was just Whoa. off the charts. Um, into the kitchen, you can, I mean, you can just intense pressure. Uh, I'd never seen anything like it. You know, we all joke around. Patties were all back hats on backwards, punching a hundred ciggies on the back doorstep all <laughs> all day. Not much, you know, not much going for us. To uh, this intense environment with passionate, you know, everyone was from France or Italy or America or Africa or you know, so many multicultural people. And it's just uh, the best, the best years of my life, and it. It's just incredible. I could talk. This podcast doesn't actually go for long enough <laughs> to talk about my time overseas. We we bring people back, mate. So. Yeah, good. <laughs> uh, my time overseas, especially my my four years with Jamie, just changed my life. You know, we'd get sent to Italy on a all expenses paid sourcing trip once a year to go to the best wineries and watch the Buffalo mozzarella get made and watch the risotto. And I could literally tell stories forever. So, what is your your most favourite memory from that place, uh, apart from Sally coming in and leaving, <laughs> leaving it. Let's just precursor that that yeah, would be the best. Yes. Yeah, that's default number one. <laughs> thanks, default. For, thanks for helping me out of that one. <laughs> that's all right. What what's what's just the takeaway? Yeah, memory. Two thousand and six was my first Christmas away from home, mm-hmm. and I was probably maybe potentially looking back, doing it a little bit tough at the time. I'd been there a year. Uh, coming into Christmas time, you know, not being away from, being away from family, being on the other side of the world, you know, working intense hours, just working your bum off basically. Jamie invited me out to his house to spend Christmas with him and and him and his family, yeah. uh, 2006. So out to Jamie's farm in Essex where they filmed Jamie at Home, that that TV series where he's yeah. in the garden. So I was extremely lucky enough to spend three days out there with him and his family. I, I was working. He did pay me to um, get up and, and cook breakfast and lunch. And like, it was a, a working thing, but yeah. he did it every year for kids that were away from their family and kids that didn't have much around that time, around that Christmas time, uh, invited them out and put them up. And, you know, I got to spend Christmas with the Olivers and watch Jules Oliver skate around the barn in her roller skates and it was just in an insane, an insane experience and, you know, Jamie ringing my mum and dad and talking to them over at Christmas time and <laughs> the guy's an absolute angel of a man and, you know, what he does outside of what you see is just incredible and would do anything for anybody and, and I guess that's something that I'm trying to do myself here. I know it's a kind of big, big fish, small fish kind of scenario. I'm in Wodonga and this guy's in England, but something that I am trying to, to do now. And, you know, he's just so caring and, but that, I guess, yeah, without going on to, I could, like, again, I could talk for hours about this kind of stuff. No, that's okay. So you've got your, your, your most positive, memorable experience from yep. overseas. What's your negative one? Because you didn't just work for Jamie, did yep. you? No. No. It's... And what was the transition? Was it a forced transition in the fact that, you know, they uh, you stay amount of time and he gives you all your goodwill and then mm. you have to get moved along so someone else can get the happy feels? Is that how it sort of works with, yeah. with 15? With kitchens, yeah. Yeah. I guess as a chef, I mean... I'd been there for three and a bit years now. I was getting a bit 
bored with the everything's so happy, everything's so perfect, every, you know, slaps on the bum, high fives. It's like footy. Yeah, it's like footy, yeah. 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 I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, I'd work my way up to second, third, third in charge in the kitchen. I was just getting a bit stale and a bit bored, like anyone in, in any job, you know, you, you, you need change or you need new faces or a new environment or I just missed being yelled at, I guess. I wanted to feel that. I was getting to a crossroads also at my time in London. What do I, am I staying here? Am I going home? Am I, you know, extending my visa? Yeah. So I thought, let's just go and let's go home with Oliver and, and Ramsey on my on my resume. I think that would be yeah. two of the big dogs to, to uh, tick off. So I walked after work one day. I, I, I caught the tube into Mayfair and, and dropped my resume off at one of Gordon's uh, restaurants that I had my eye on, which was May's. Uh, one Michelin star at the time, dropped my resume off at the front desk and I literally, no word of a lie, I was about 50 seconds down the street, my phone started ringing. Oh, hi, hi, David, you know, you've just been in to drop a resume off, you're a, you know, sous chef at, at Jamie Oliver's 15, oh, we'd love to get you in. It's like, oh, wow, that was, you know, was quick. super quick. Went in the next day, got handed the job basically, and I just was blown away with how easy it was, but obviously I um, was soon to find out why it was so easy to, to get a job at these places. Yeah, so I, I left I left Jamie's and that was, you know, an incredible farewell. You know, I've got, got, I've got books at home and things and gifts that the, the impact that I made on, on such a world-renowned restaurant, you know, these people are saying that you'll go down in folklore and, you know, Davo, you're one of the greatest that's ever, you know, it's, it's again, I could talk forever. About, kind of, <laughs> about how good yeah. you are. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Just, At some point you probably should. Yeah, yeah, just about how the impact that I can, you know, David from Wodonga can have on this restaurant run yeah. and known by Jamie Oliver that's a world, you know, it's incredible. Anyway, I left and went to Mays and, geez, my very first... Uh, I, I went in there as a sous chef, so you're in control of a, a certain section and in control of op running three other chefs. And my very first service, I um, got a plate thrown at my back, so the plate hits my back, shatters all over the floor, and the and the uh, the head chef at the time yells out, "You're not at F and Jamie's anymore, are you?" So, oh, um, <laughs> yeah, it was full on. And I think for the first week I cried every night on the tr on the phone on the ho on the bus on the way home, because uh, of course all the by the time you finish work there all the uh, underground had closed because you w you work from six in the morning till one o'clock the next morning. Yeah. Uh, no no break no smoko no coffee no no anything, and I've just left this amazing wonder world of kindness. Ja Jamie's <laughs> kindness. You know everything. You know you. You could do wrong, but it was just an amazing place, and I, you know, I wanted to chase hardness, and I and I definitely got it. Yeah. So was there ever a point, like in that first week, where you like you wanted to just run back to Jamie with your tail between your legs, or did oh, you have this conviction no, no, that a hundred times? But I uh, swapped over my visa into Gordon Ramsay Holdings, oh. so um, I was a, a prisoner of of the of Ramsay world, so to speak. <laughs> Is that where you got all your tats from? Uh, no, no, no. This is all. This is all. Back they're not home. street maze tats. Are no, they? they're not street tats. No. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, I had to uh, swallow the the pill, the the bitter pill of the move that I'd made. And you know, now I'm a big believer in you uh, sleep in the bed. You know, you make so. Yeah. Yeah. Nine months, I made it. And you made reference earlier, you hinted at the fact that the reason it was easy to get is because clearly they were churning through people. Oh, is nine months a good amount nine, of time? Well, at or? the end of a year, it, you got rewarded with a Gordon Ramsay signed chef jacket because no one ever made it to a year. <laughs> he wasn't wow. handing out signatures, obviously. No, <laughs> we, um, we had people that wouldn't even last an hour. They'd get in there and... We'd call them bolters. We'd all have bets. Like, oh, yeah, who's this guy? He's like, how long do we give this guy? Oh, lunchtime, maybe after lunch. Next yeah. minute his knives are gone. Oh, where's Darren? Uh, Darren's gone. Okay, let's get on with it. So <laughs> oh, it was wow. just uh, the harassment, the bullying, the 
physical, you know, the chefs would walk past you and punch you in the ribs if you did something wrong and kick you in the back of the legs and you get sauce bottles thrown at your head. And Wow. I've seen kitchen hands get bins tipped on their heads and pushed downstairs because they didn't empty the bin. And, uh, yeah, again, I could talk for hours about this kind of How stuff. How does that sort of environment – so when you look at the, the Jamie environment mm-hmm. and the Gordon environment and you're saying that there was a Michelin star at Mays. Yep. How is it just the fear of messing up that can produce such fine food? Yeah. Because I still feel like there needs to be some level of, you know, satisfaction in what you're doing to really produce your best. Do you think that you ever hit your best work at Maze? No, not at all. Yeah. I couldn't brush my teeth some mornings. I was so tired, like, you know, yeah. and, and at the end I'm like, I don't, what am I even doing? Like, I don't even have time to appreciate the food that I'm, I'm just a... A, a slave, yeah. Basically, like yeah. this is this is not right. And I started turning into one of them, you know, picking, yeah. yelling abuse at the young at the young. You know, like, oh, yeah, Dave, what are, what's going on? Like this is not right. Like, I think I've left jobs before like that where I don't like the person that I'm becoming at home, mm. and it's not in my natural way to be bitchy or snitchy mm. or anything like that. But you sort of become a product of your environment, oh, and absolutely. to sort of reconcile and go, you know what, I don't like that I'm, this is coming home with me. I don't mm. like any of this. And that's when you have to make a decision to just. Yeah, it's, it was just no way of life. Like getting home at two, two, half, half two, three o'clock in the morning and laying down for two hours, three hours and <laughs> get, getting up and going again. It's so. not safe when you're dealing with knives either, I wouldn't Oh, think. no. It's just, yeah, it was just super volatile and just not what chefing should be about or what it what it means to me now so so can i ask a question obviously mm. i don't know obviously i don't know gordon ramsay and i don't know the people that directly report to him yep but was there justification that we make some of the best food in the world however we get it done it's justified because the product is so great Look, was that what they were hedging their business or their empire on? Was that yeah. how how we got it to here doesn't matter. The product is excellent. Yeah, anything, whatever, whatever it takes to whatever it takes for yeah. the accolades. I think, and that's and that's built. That's it's passed on from that uh, style of working. You know, Marco, Marco got trained. You know, got, Marco then trained Gordon. Gordon then tra- it's just this nasty just passed down, passed down. As, you know, and. It's like that all around the world. Well, I think it's slowly shifting now, but Pierre Kaufman trained Marco, Marco trains Gordon. Like it's just this, this is, it's in, it's ingrained in you. It's who you are and it's- it, You don't know any better. You don't know any better. And, and that's what it takes to be a Michelin star chef, you know, want three hats, got to get three hats, got to get three hats. Oh, I've got two hats. We need to work harder. I need to work 19 hours today instead of- <laughs> Yeah, like it's just in. It's insane, and it's just not so. It's so unsustainable, yeah. and that's why staff turnover is so high. And I'm assuming that you, coming from another very credentialed background, they're probably direct competitors both in the media mm. and at the restaurant level. But you wouldn't, I'm assuming, been open to say, "Well, there is a way to get this done without that." They wouldn't have been open to your background, or were you saying, well, we used to get that same result with Jamie, there wasn't yelling, screaming, and no one got hit with a plate. Mm. No, they don't listen to the likes. They don't like, listen to the likes of me. Yeah. You don't really get a, you know, you used to get pushed or screamed at if there was a piece of parsley on the floor, you know, you're dirty, I won't say the words, but yeah. you're a dirt hack and you work like this. <laughs> like, it's just- So yeah. don't want to see my kitchen. Can, yeah. <laughs> can I ask you one more question yeah, about that experience yeah. before we move on? Do you think that you are a better chef and maybe more so a better boss and business owner mm. having that having that context on, well, I could be that, but maybe I don't need to be that? Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I say this to everybody. I, I learned so much about myself in, in, the, in that short period of time about kitchens and, you know, the high, at the highest level, kitchens at the highest level, you know, and you talk... Talk to chefs now. It's like, oh, chef, I'm tired. And like, they've been at work like four hours. I'm like, just shut up, will you? Like, <laughs> seriously, like, yeah, you don't know the meaning. Of you time. just don't. You just don't get it. Which is okay. Like, it it happens. Every, everyone's different. But you know, I have managed. Well, I think I've managed. And I, I I pride myself 
on thinking this, but I have created an environment where it's the best of both worlds. And, you, you know, it's, that was my mission to open a restaurant where everyone feels loved and they can learn and they can come to work and feel supported and they're they're learning and they're achieving or they're, they're moving in the right direction in life, you know, not consistently put down or uh, negative vibes or, you know, it's people come to Miss Amelie, come to work, you know, they get fed, they get breaks. They, I buy them a round of coffees in the morning. You know, it's all, it's all about well-being of, of the staff and it's so important these days. So, yes, I'm going back to that point, I have managed to draw all the amazing good points of my experiences overseas and and learn from all the shit ones, so to speak, and try to create this... No, no workplace is perfect, but the perfect environment or potentially the perfect place that people can come and learn how to cook and not, you know, the restaurant's only open four days a week. We're not working 80 hours a week. It's just that right mix and people get breaks and if people want to go somewhere on a Saturday night, I let them have the night off and I get someone else into work. Like just... So it's sort of like um, some of the good rural footy clubs where, you know, you treat the kids well and if they want to leave and go off and explore the world yeah, and sign for a different club, then you let them and then hopefully they come back. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's it's the type of place that I went looking for when I was, when I was a young fellow. Like there was no... There was no good restaurants here. It's, I feel there's a there's a there's a restaurant now in our region that you don't need to go to the big cities to learn the best tricks or the best ways or the best methods or how to do how to cook fish the best way or funny funny you say fish. Yes. So I watched a very old YouTube video earlier on you going off with Jamie to oh, cook. Yes. With some army mob. Oh, the army, yeah. Yeah. Well, you have done your research. And I think it was like nine, ten years ago. Mm. And it, the only big shout out to you was that. I saved the fish. Well done. You saved the fish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because you're speaking of coming from a kitchen with all the, the tools. Mm. And then can you just fill people in who maybe not know about this experience? Yeah, or no, no one would know about that. That's yeah. a that's a very only my mother would know about that. There She's you go. probably watched the, well, that's go, hundred views. That's, that's those in her favourites. Ninety nine yeah, views of those. Mum definitely hasn't tracked traction tapes. Maybe it will now. No. <laughs> we'll, we'll share it, mate. Yeah, oh, thank you. I don't think it's meant to be shared. Save uh, the fish. Yes, <laughs> save the fish. I was still. Yeah, that was early in my time. We uh, it was a massive, massive. Can't even remember the name of the celebration with the army, but Jamie took all his chefs from the restaurant out there to put this feast on. I think Jamie was getting knighted or something. It was it was pretty hectic. It was big. Jamie was all in his army gear, and yeah, it was a cool experience. We were out at Windsor, and there was there was a hundred people, and all the chefs, our chefs. All the army chefs, there's more chefs than you can poke a stick at, but no no one could cook the fish right in this pan. Then Davo steps over and nails it. And I'm like, thank you. Basically, I had back backyard army equipment. Yeah. And you, you f- people had come in with your, like, well, you just said that you used to play PlayStation, so yeah. you had all the mod cons. We had all the mod cons, yeah. We were and lucky. there was no and... cod mons there. No, no, no. <laughs> they, um... Yeah, they were doing it pretty rustic at the army barracks. Um, but yeah, good old Dave nailed the fish for the hundred feebles. That was my um, <laughs> as long as played my part that day. So it was good old Dave Yeah, it was. I think that's, it, was yeah. it was good. Dave good job, Dave I used to. Uh, but you didn't go have a cigarette straight after. Oh, it. I don't think so, mate. <laughs> Possibly. Um, yeah, he just had one pan to, that he had to cook. Or one, pan. one pan was the only pan that he could cook the fish in. I got yeah. the job done. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, they used to call me Dingo. That was my nickname for four years. So, yeah, right. yeah, it was good. Dingo David. Mm. Yeah, there you go. Sorry, that was a tangent because you me- <laughs> mentioned fish. Mm. The other thing that came out of that was that they were talking about putting truffle on something and the reference for what truffle, someone said, what is truffle? And they said, oh, basically it just smells like a a pig on heat, oh. and they use <laughs> male pigs to find truffles under trees. Absolutely. And that, and I, that's the first time I've ever heard that reference. So I learned two things <laughs> this morning Big watching that small video <laughs> was that good job, Davo, got Thank the job you. done with co- cooking fish on an old 
pan and that little truffle fact. <laughs> you haven't gone out sniffing any pigs, have you, this nah. morning? Good. Nah, no pigs. <laughs> I haven't done that yet. <laughs> oh, no. oh, Sorry, can I just catch up on one thing? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I did ask earlier, and I don't think we covered it. How exactly did, is it Sally? Yes. How did she find you again in London? Sorry, I just want to caption uh, that. I guess it had, it had been in the border mail a couple of times in the first year or so that where I where I was and where I was working, obviously Facebook. It'd be kind of a big deal. Local to board have makes a lo- good. Yeah. 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 So obviously Facebook is also, you know, prominent. You, everyone knows everyone's business. That's probably one downfall of the modern life. <laughs> um, but yeah, Sally, we weren't in contact, but we were friends on Facebook and yeah, it was in the border mail a couple of times. And obviously my mum probably <laughs> walks into everyone down the street and yeah. tells them what's going on. I think it's also a thing if you're over in... England, like you just think, oh, it's an Australian person, or if there's a, any doing it any, else. any link <laughs> yeah. at all, you just want to connect with someone. It was pretty big yeah. at the time, and it was pretty. I mean, yeah. So you're talking up in the border mail that you work in 19 hours a day, and she turns up on a day, and you got a day off. I got a day off, yeah, <laughs> with bludgeon. Yeah. So yeah, it's funny how the the world uh, aligns itself sometimes, but yeah, it's a good story. So you're back here. In Wodonga. Yes. You started Miss Emily. Yes. There's a story behind that name, mm-hmm. I believe. Do you want to quickly share it for people before I go off on another tangent? Of yeah. Why Miss Emily? Yeah. At the time, obviously, we were just kind of shooting around lots of names for the restaurant and what kind of, vo- you know, a name's so, super important for a restaurant and how it makes people feel and, you know, it's not going to be Davo's Tucker and people are rocking up to the front door expecting much. You know what I mean? So I watched that video. And yeah, that's a, yeah. <laughs> that's a battered seven potato yeah, cakes. You know, deal. so you know, it's a name is so important, and we and we wanted something uh, soft and feminine and welcoming and European. And and my wife and I met a, a lady named Emily while we were travelling through Europe uh, one year. So. We actually met her on a train. It was our connection to the old train station. Her name was obviously Emily. And we just kind of gave it a bit of a, a little milking from you, there. To, you um, zhuzhed it. Yeah, it gave it a, a bit of a spruce. We sat opposite on the train for a few hours, but she kind of helped us out a little bit. And Emily was accepting and, and warm to approach and, you know, was everything that we, the characteristics we wanted our restaurant to be, soft and feminine and pink and, you know, French, European, so Miss Emily. I love that story, that it's actually nothing to do, well, it is an experience-based yeah, name for you. Yeah, it's more but- of a feel, you know, when people walk through, when people walk through the doors at Miss Emily, you know, it's, it is that ooh-la-la kind of yeah. Emily, you know, it gets gets everybody. How do you say it? Emily. <laughs> <laughs> so Emily. Yeah. So when you're having a conversation about a name, yeah, and you're throwing around ideas, mm-hmm. what was it specifically about? Because I'm sure you met lots of exotic and interesting people yeah, in your travels. What was it about that particular person that just stood out to you when you? How did uh, that I just come it, back into your mind? I think it was more. There was a bit of a movement around Melbourne at the time where people were naming their restaurants or cafes with a with a name, whether it be Mix, uh, Mr. Constable or yeah. something. There was just Miss uh, Lady Carolina. Some, one of my mates had just opened a kind of cool, trendy bar yeah. called Lady Carolina. And I said to Sally, I, I really like, I like this vibe. I like this movement that's happening here. So I reckon we need to have a name in our, in our name for the restaurant. I think you know, a French, and we battled for ages. We got close to Capital Dining, obviously, K-A-P, mm-hmm. Capital. Yeah. But it was just too strong and yeah. it wasn't inviting. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's a big, that was a big tick and it had its rough roads in, in, the, in the early beginnings, people ringing up trying to make a booking, this Mr. Emilio's and all sorts of shit. I'm telling I'm, the people, what people come up with. You didn't just, think about starting a food cart? Oh, just on, well, we do actually have this other business yeah, that makes pancakes. It was, Davos. <laughs> yeah, it was actually quite amusing how people would pronounce it or what they'd come up with. We still get Emilio, we still get... Uh, but that's, I guess, just uh, the way of the modern world. So, given... When you when you started this in Wodonga, mm-hmm. it wasn't a. I'll just say it wasn't really a thing to have 
too much fine dining around. How did you go about finding the right staff and Mm. like the vibe and how was it embraced within the area? Because a lot of this area would be seen probably potentially beforehand to just be like, oh, I'm not not paying like such and such for, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not a real food. Mm. Like that's not the right size food. Like I need to go and get Maccas after that. How did you go about that process of educating either your staff? Mm. Because I'm sure that there wouldn't have been five-star dining staff sort of laying around in yeah, Aubrey Wodonga. There's still it's still a, an issue, and yeah. and that that topic is also still an issue. We still have you know customers debating the price of things, and and yeah. the, you know the you know oh, I can get this this and this down the road. I'm like you you just you'll never get it. You know yeah. I mean? But uh, I was lucky. I was super fortunate enough to 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 hold on to some amazing chefs that came with the, the business beforehand. Um, that were lucky enough to stay with me for about a year. Again, you just you create this working environment that people uh, are attracted to, people are drawn to. Moving back to Aubrey Wodonga, I I knew my story and I knew my background and what I've done and who I've worked for. I knew it would make it. Yeah. I knew it would arouse a, a lot of people, mm-hmm. so to speak. I just had to be confident and back myself in and back the product in and and back the service in and the overall experience, you know, it's not just the food, it's the service, it's the, it's the phone call you get to, you know, about your booking. It's your, it's the, we call you a cab. It's the, you know, it's the follow up. It's, it's the whole experience. And it's, uh, I think, I think it's amazing value. You know, I still don't think we're the dearest in town. Yeah. There's other places that there's pubs in Albury that, charge the same amount of money for a steak so it's just again we live in an opinionated world and uh you're not going to be loved by everybody but that's uh that's just the way it's the way the cookie crumbles so tell me about obviously we've all been part of this experience which has been the hell of getting locked in locked Mm. out like like let out released and you had to find a way to pivot a little bit Mm -hmm. you've built up this amazing restaurant that you've got people knocking on the door like it's talked about a lot mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you can't do it mm. so how did you go about evolving and pairing in with other businesses to sort of I suppose keep yourself afloat mm. or and how did that feel from you personally yeah it was it was frightening obviously we me and my wife and we've invested everything into the restaurant we sold our apartment in Melbourne, like we yeah. we had an apartment a block back from the beach in Brighton. Oh wow! So that's probably a kick yourself moment that you'll have eventually at one stage in your life. But every we everything is invested in this place. We live out of it, our this, our that. So yeah, it was quite frightening. It's also quite frightening for the staff and and that kind of movement that you might potentially go for. How do you support these people if you're not getting any support? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was it was super daunting, but also a massive part of me my whole life has been what's meant to be will be and what's the worst that can happen it's not going to kill you so yeah. you just you just got to get on with your life do you know what I mean so amazing friends of mine uh, that I grew up with the Shirley's own Henry's Bakery and uh, I got chatting to him and let's let's create a, a gourmet range of, of pies I said I need work I said if I come down there I didn't get any money like I just got a a wage yep. that Henry's made all the money yeah. out of all that. It went absolutely gangbusters. Obviously, the following that the restaurant already had and connecting with, you know, a classic Wodonga institution, Henry's, mm-hmm. you know, that it's not blocks and meat pies. To connect with someone like a brand like Miss Emily, it just was so well received and both both forces combined was just um incredible the and you were transitioning food like flavor types and profiles from yeah, your was, restaurant into the pies yeah, i was literally taking dishes off the off the menu and turning them into pies like braised lamb scotch with a layer of petty pois of baby peas and the seafood linguine that was on the menu, I made that into a creamy bis sauce with all that seafood, and it was just, I was just cooking, I was just creating. I, was just, I had a new lease on, on life. It was something that I'd never done before, and 
that was a that was a great period and a, and a humbling you know I was I was very humble to be allowed into into their world and and meet new faces you know it was it was so refreshing for me to see another business and another brand of customers and another brand of workers you know these these old ducks that have got hearts of gold you know got their Henry's cap on and yeah. making the sangers and oh, it's just did that also maybe invigorate their business on some level that Absolutely. well we're not just getting it we've been serving this wholesome stuff for people mm. for a long time but now we also have the opportunity to deliver an experience in the form of a pie yeah of course yeah, yeah. it was <laughs> shells the whole time i was there old man shells Ian, he's like caps you're a rock star you're a bloody rock star <laughs> good it's job like they're, Davo. they're lining up they're lining up for you down the road mate it's bloody insane like he just <laughs> it was it was it was you know, because they were they were struggling. Everyone was. I mean, everyone yeah. everyone was struggling, and there's a lot of people still struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were struggling to see the, you know, oh, the wife was in there counting the cash at the end. Of, Holy bloody hell! This is we just took bloody X amount of money, and <laughs> it was just a really high energy block out the COVID shit. Like it's yeah. just you know, just get I mean, back to just work. Get, just crack on, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm just and still like two years. Two years down the track and we're still COVID-driven. It's just driving me insane at the moment. You've got little, like, pop-up shop type stuff. Did that sort of spawn from this this pie? Abs- yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, Miss Emily Gourmet, my, uh, my new business partner, uh, Ken, him and his wife, Rachel, own uh, the coffee shop Coffee shed, my apologies, down off opposite Arnold's there, the drive through coffee, they own yeah. that. And one day a car drove through and, and Ken saw the front seat full of pies. Yeah. And uh, I'd gotten to know him a, a little bit. He was, he's kind of got a psychologist, psychologist background and was helping me a little bit with booze and, yeah. and work and et cetera at, at one stage. They own that whole block of sheds down there yeah. that go right back into Michael Drive and, and the end one was empty and he just took me down there one day and um, said, let's let's start making pies here and let's build a kitchen and, and start making pies and Miss Emily Gourmet was, was born, yeah. So, again, another fate, COVID. Yeah. Um, if COVID, obviously, we probably wish that COVID never hit, but... Yeah. COVID has struck and closed the restaurant down and I find myself in the back of a 170-year-old building at Henry's making pies and now I'm on the verge of, of opening, uh, extending, strengthening the, the Miss Emily brand and and making a, a, yeah, creating a daytime provador with pies and French pastries and sweets and catering and yeah, it's just insane. It almost seems like now that you're saying it, foolish that that idea hadn't even already happened yeah at that level of yeah, yeah like with, with your background and everything yeah. like to make it accessible for all everybody yeah of course demographic instead Absolutely. of just a niche that's a very good that's a very good point yeah without no I'm, like sometimes these sort of situations force us to pivot in that and then you think in hindsight why didn't i think of that yeah because you don't you don't have time you don't yeah you i don't, suppose yeah you know you don't sit down and you're at the restaurant you know we're were open five days prior to COVID. Yeah, working our butts off eighty, you know, x amount of hours a, a year, uh, a year, x amount of hours a day, and you just so tunnel visioned. Yeah, life is you get stuck. You just in a in a rut. You know, yeah. you just go. There's this groundhog life. Yeah, and you don't have time to stop and think about what, how I can pivot and what I can do. And would you have believed if I had come to you and said? Here's how you can deliver incredible food in a different form factor, mm. but to, at the same level that you're going to planning on doing and are doing through the restaurant. Mm. But it's going to happen like this, and then it may morph into this. Would you have believed yourself or anyone else telling you that? Oh, I would have told you there's no not enough time. You know, you, no 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 way I can possibly do this, or who's driving it, who who's helping me. Yeah. Um, so we had the time during COVID, and then. Eventually, the restaurant did open up, and yeah, it's been a, a juggle act ever since. <laughs> yeah. So, do you have people that merged over to the pies from the restaurant, or have you? Oh, sort it's of been ca- 
It's been a juggling just act. Just juggle. It's a, it's a, it literally is organised chaos every, yeah. every day. A few came, uh, the restaurant was still closed at the time, so I was fortunate enough to have to have their help. Yeah. Uh, you know, an extreme amount of planning and recipe testing and everything went into Miss Emily Gourmet. And, yeah, it took a lot of people to, to get it off the ground and, and we're still we're still making it what it is now, like nothing ever, like the restaurant took years to, mm-hmm. for me to finally think, geez, I think it's finally where it is or where it needs to be. Hospitality continually changes, you know, every, every week, you know, what people want in and out of lockdown. Everything's different week to week. So, uh, yeah, staff came with me there, but then the restaurant opened up. So staff went back, staff went back there. We got more chefs. Yeah. It's just been a, and a, immense roller coaster. How many people are you responsible for? Because I'm assuming when all this sort of happened, mm. it, it felt like you're responsible for all these staff members mm. in a way, even though it's not your choice to be shutting. How many people are you now in charge of their journey or just their everyday Yeah, their life. Their life it, in yeah. a way. That's a big sense of responsibility it to is. have. And it, it's so important. It's something that you can sometimes just with the blinkers on you can sometimes not stop and do the right things in regards yeah. in regards to that like it's so easy to get caught in the trap of go 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 up you need to do this you need to do a hundred gazillion things today and mm-hmm. you don't stop and it's the staff it's the people you know so there would be 15 on the front 15 at the restaurant and yeah i mean we have wodonga aubrey soon beechworth now miss emily gourmet so Another twenty, so mm, pushing, pushing you up there. Just set your sights and go right, Tomo. Till you're out. Now. Yeah. Oh no, no. I'm in. De- I'm taking over Beechworth again. Different, <laughs> different demographic, <laughs> yeah. and um, that is one thing that we targeted with Beechworth. Beechworth Bakeries, basically it, you yeah. know, and they're lined up down the corner. Mm-hmm. So why not give these people an, an option, another option? And Tim, you know, Beechworth Bakery have their they have their jam customers, you know. I, I'm a firm believer that there's enough people in our region, and and you throw tourists on top of that. There's enough people to make everybody successful yeah. and stay in business. Everyone's got their own little, I call them a little Jewish community. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. The miss, yeah. the restaurant has their own little Jewish customers, and yeah. Those customers regularly come to us and might not regularly go to other places, and it it's, works vice versa. Okay, here's a question for you: What is the most positive experience that you've been witness and helped create at Miss Emily? Oh, just a memory in your head of what you were able to have been part of. Oh, geez, that's a really good question. Actually, um, without being and you can toot your own horn, whatever. No, 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 and no, it's like, like just no, I, there's usually something I think that stands out that you might not even have names or anything. It was just the whole vibe of the whole thing. Mm. It's the vibe of the thing, in the <laughs> words of the castle. I think a few years in, we had a a big celebration for our birthday. That was a that was a pretty that was a pretty amazing. We've had so many incredible moments and functions there and you, you talk about staff as well jared the young or uh, young autistic boy who you know that's i've watched this kid grow you know this young timid person to now you know is just a, a a young leader in the kitchen from a customer point of view like you've seen someone come in and the impact that you've had from their dining experience. It might be someone like my parents who would never have paid. So I've, I've bought my parents vouchers to go in oh, good. Thank to, to Miss Miss Emily. And I remember just the first time, like, Dad going, oh, the duck was all right. Like, yeah. just <clears throat> maybe you just, you've taken the blinkers off someone else and yeah. blown their mind. To, uh, be, uh, to be honest, it happens quite a fair bit. Yeah. Recently, there was a a fellow who brought his missus in, you know, he's, yeah. he could, oh, he's like tradie. He, wasn't, <laughs> he didn't have his high vis on, but I could tell he was, a, yeah. you know, a little bit rough around the edges. He's trying to impress her. He's trying to impre- impress his miss. So, br- br- yeah. you know, 
oh, mate, this is a bit full. You know, you can, <laughs> the first, and, and I, if I'm on the floor working on the floor, I kind of really milk those situations and yeah. really, and really play on it. And I'll say to Jason, the restaurant manager, you know, geez, table two, they're, Let's let's froth on him, Joe you know I man. Let's just let's get him let's lucky turn it on. tonight. Let's <laughs> let's get him. You know, these guys are deers in headlight. They've never been here. Let's yeah. let's let's blow it. Let's just spend a bit of money on him, Joe you know I man. Yeah. Let's give him a chuck him a beer in between the court. Oh, this is yeah. on us, you know. Yeah. And he stood up at the end and he goes, Mate, I've been petrified to come here for four years because just that perception yeah. of all it's fancy and it's hoity toity and yeah. I'm not going to fit in. He goes, this is the best thing I've ever done. This is like, this has blown my mind. I'm like, mate, I'm just, I'm just a normal dude. And I said to him, I'm just a normal guy, you know? Yeah. I like, just happen to cook good food. I just, we create the magic. Yeah. That's what I say to all my staff. Let's create the magic. That's what we're here to do. And it, it does happen, again, I'm not trying to blow my own trumpet, but things like that happen quite often because of where we do live in Albury, Wodonga. It's a, it's a regional town. Yeah. We get those people in. They're like, "Holy shit! What have I been? What have I been going to the pub for?" You yeah. know, it doesn't blow. It doesn't blow. It does not blow in the budget. It's not blowing the bank. Yeah, you it's just go, a perception. It's a perception. Yeah, you go anywhere. You go to Thai food with you and your wife, and blow a few courses and have a couple of beers, and you, you're a hundred. You're a hundred down. It's the same at the re- no, It's yeah. the same at the restaurant. Yeah, it is all perception. It's. Get, just get amongst it. Like, we are so lucky. And, again, I'm not trying to blow my own horn, but we are so lucky that we have places like this in our region that belong in, in the big cities. You know, the moment you walk in, it's sir or madame, can I take your coat? People just don't get it. They'd rather just they'd rather just not attempt it, you know? People than, get scared of the unknown. Yeah. That, that's a... It's a thing or threatened by the unknown mm. sometimes and I think that's where people can maybe attack things that they don't know about mm. because they just yeah there's a there's a fear involved when you're yeah you're stepping outside of your comfort, your zone, comfort and, zone and not all people can see the value mm. in that they just want to stay in their little safe space yeah. that they've got the control of and I think it's very important to push yourself outside of that just to Absolutely. open your eyes and, so that you're not a deer in a headlight. Yeah, and they're the best, you know, they're the ones that I walk out, you know, we shut the door at the end of the night and I just high-five all the stuff. Like, you know, that's why we do it. That is, that's that's what drives us. And it's yeah. not money. There's no money in hospitality. Everyone knows that. Been, no. We've been working my butt off my whole life. Like, Except for NBA players who keep buying restaurants. Well, that's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, well, they got too much money. They're, yeah. they're tax write-offs. <laughs> um, you know, that's, we, we work twice as long as everybody for less money like it's it's just crazy what we but i get i get paid in moments like that where i get in my car and drive home and go you know what that was worth it this guy's going to remember that for the rest of the week or the rest of his life and get on the site tomorrow morning with bruiser and gozzy and all these you know all these yobos yep mate miss emily let's get down there <laughs> Awesome, like and they'll it'll it just naturally snowballs and it naturally feeds off each other and and that's what customer satisfaction is what drives us every day. It's not the dollars, it's not the that. It's just the circle of life will look after itself if you nail the nail the customer experience and make the magic. Everything else will take care of itself. So, David, thanks so much for joining us today. It's oh, been you're amazing. Welcome. I got the feeling that you've got plenty more to talk about and Mel's giving me a look that she had something else <laughs> maybe so she want, uh-huh. wants to talk about. But we'd love to have you back because yeah. I think we only touched on some of those stories. But if people wanted to, that maybe are only hearing about the restaurant and the gourmet business for the mm-hmm. first time today, do you want to just tell people where they can find you? And is there any particular thing on the menu for people that are maybe, as you, we just said, we just talked about people that are a bit hesitant. Yeah. Is there an easy introduction in terms of the menu for when people come in that this is a winner for the majority of people? Oh, of course. You know, you can come down to the restaurant and have a, have a steak and a dessert, you know. Come and try the lemon souffle. That'll be the best thing <laughs> you've ever eaten. You'll never have a better souffle anywhere in the world, I promise. So and fish get- and souffle. Yeah, fish. It's come a long <laughs> um, way since Davo's good that's fish right. has come Davo's a long fish. <laughs> yep. but, Yeah, it's just... Just get in the car and get down and 
come and experience it. You've got we have this on our doorstep in Wodonga, you know, and there's places in Aubrey that do the same. Don't take it for granted. You know, use it, use use it as an experience that you can have all the time. But um, yeah, stay. I mean, we've got some of the best meat. That, you know, come down have a steak, lemon souffle. Our scallops are always incredible. The menu changes all the time, so you can come in three weeks' time and it'll be different. Uh, and the gourmet, just world-class food uh, in the comfort of your own home. You can come down and get things that we cook at the restaurant that's ready to go, cryvac, you know, heat-and-eat style, gourmet pies, beautiful French pastries in the morning, sweets, grab a coffee, grab a macaron, grab something for lunch. We've got salads, we've got wraps, we've got yogurt bowls for the gym nuts in the morning. <laughs> Uh, organize a platter and charcuterie for the weekends. It literally is a world of pure imagination. There you go. Just get down to any of David's businesses and just experience the magic. Yeah, just yeah. That's and that's it. We just want to. We want to share the love. We want to create the magic. Life's about. I really want to burst into song right now. Where's <laughs> the love? That's it. I've got a feeling. I know what I might be doing on my next cheat day Saturday. So, <laughs> righto. Thank you, mate. Thank you very much. Thanks. Are you ready to experience something more gourmet in your life? I want lots of gourmet in my life. More gourmet. I'm I'm slightly disappointed by one part of that story. And the fact is that he got a job at 15 because of a plane trip. And until today, I thought that I had the best plane trip story ever. (laughs) Okay. How long is this story? Because I want to hear it. Just basically, I got on a plane once to go and do some training for a job and the guy sitting next to me I started talking to, another randomised Mel type situation where if you're sitting next to me on a plane, you're going to get talked to, by the way. Talked at. Talked at. Yes. (laughs) And we just got chatting and I ended up moving in with him the next week. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Basically, it came about and went, hey, I need somewhere to live. Oh, by the way, I've just moved into a place and I've got a spare wing to my house. That that was how big the house was. Yeah. He was a uh, a high roller for Abbey Group. So everything got paid for. Basically, I paid minimum rent and we had a cleaner and everything come in. <laughs> okay. And I met him on a plane. But I feel like that's not as good a story now as getting a job interview for 15. So, David, I'm not happy about that. <laughs> Well done on the interview, but... <laughs> Maybe moving in with someone is slightly more risky, though. <laughs> Possibly. That's a good story, though. That I've got to admit that you kind of made it seem like it wasn't going to be good. It was still good. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a good guy. It's a classic way that I just pick out people in a crowd and just probably talk to people I shouldn't and <laughs> so, move in with people I shouldn't. <laughs> one thing that we didn't really nail down with David today was what it was about him that made this person approach him, what the, what she heard or what she liked. But I think over the course of today's interview, it rolled out. It's pretty obvious that he cares about people mm-hmm. and cares about food, but he's just a very warm human being. And let's be honest, it could have been just the fact that he's a poor little Aussie kid heading over Sees and she's an Aussie, and there's like this connection and endearing quality where Aussies just gravitate to each other in London. (laughs) You would know about this, which we could talk about in the future if you wanted to. The only thing I'll say from having lived in London is that when I first heard my gaggle of Aussies in a pub after I'd been living with English people, I was horrified about how terrible we sound. The accent, you mean? Oh, we sound awful. And that's all I'm going to say because... (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And is it worse as a group than as an individual? Did we become more Australian when we're together? If If you've been living in London solo like I was and just hanging around with very refined English accents and you're in a pub and then you hear a group of like typical ochre Aussie tradies <laughs> and the abrasive tonality of their voices. Yep. I just wanted to recoil and <laughs> just hide, <laughs> not gravitate towards them. Oh, you're Australian? Them. No. No. 
Uh, I am not. I am not Australian. I don't, know what to, I don't know what accent that was, but I didn't want to borrow it. Yeah. So, yeah, it could have been just that. But I think yeah. he's obviously a genuine guy that's trying to do good things, obviously, for himself and the community. And I can't wait to maybe go and be a trainer for Wodonga and scrape him up off the ground if he debuts for the first next year. <laughs> Very good. That would be awesome. <laughs> Remember me from the podcast? It's a full circle story. <laughs> David, I'm here to make the magic happen and save your life. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. So people can make some magic and save our lives a tiny little bit at a time. A little bit. By okay. buying us a coffee if they thought today was enjoyable or worthwhile. How can they do that, Josh? They can do that at punchingsideways.com. There's a big button on there. And you can either donate once, which people have done. It's amazing. But you can donate actually less, but do it monthly. Mm. With a membership. There you go. For as little as three bucks. Three bucks. So if you get a couple of episodes from us a month and you think that they're worth more than three bucks, <laughs> which I think that they are, to be honest. I think that yeah, they Yeah, you are. could support us every month. That's not even like a quick stop coffee price. No, we're talking like yeah. we're the 7-Eleven. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah, just a- Brown water easy. of podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> we may- <laughs> no, we're, we're better than brown water. Yeah. We're worth the three bucks a month. Oh, we definitely are. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Laters.